I have an interesting message. This thing is, God's been speaking to me about lately. Is, um, my question to you today, to you, all of you, every single one, who are you? Who are you? See, I don't think many people here realize and know who they are. I don't think so. Why? Because if you knew who you are, you would be walking in what you are. Okay, that leaves you kind of... You know, let, me, let, let me do a scriptural thing on you. Let me help you with a little bit of scripture here quickly. Uh, my computer's frozen. There it goes. Okay. <clears throat> you remember the scripture in the book of Acts 19, verse 13 to 15? Also some Jew, Jewish exorcists who went from place to place, attempted to use the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I order you in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. Now, there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, doing this. But the evil spirits responded and said to them, I recognize Jesus, and I know Paul, but who are you? I mean, think about it. If you have to have an evil spirit out you, <laughs> because they know who you are. You don't think so? Try and function in something that you are not ordained to function in. Try and operate in something that is illegitimate in purpose. And these guys were using the name of Jesus because they saw things happen. They thought, well, this is a way to make money. Let me tell you, there are so many people today in the culture that we live in that are operating inappropriately because they don't know who they are. The Bible speaks very particularly about staying in your measure of authority and measure of rule. And I'll share some more with you later on. But I want you to know that every single one of you, yes, you know, when you get born as a baby, the first thing your parents do is they, two people name you. The rest of you, I don't know. Some of you will put in the incubator. <laughs> so, they name you. It's important to name the child immediately. But you see, God was one up because what he did, Proverbs 22 verse 1 says, a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. Loving favor rather than silver and gold. In this world of confusion that we live in today, where people don't know if they're male or female, scapegoat, dolphin, whale, shark, bird, there is really an onslaught against our culture. And it's about identity. Is The enemy is trying to pillage the identity of people because if you take the identity from them what can they do nothing what do you think the nazis did to the jews when they put them in concentration camps they didn't use their names they used their numbers i mean it's the same principle today we're just not having tattoos but let me tell you that's the onslaught against the society is to take away your identity why because people without identity cannot fight, cannot accomplish anything, cannot do anything, cannot walk in truth. Because if you don't know who you are, you're just going to be a cabbage. You're a worm. You mean nothing. You're valueless. That's what the enemy is trying to do, is to devalue society. So we can take things that are inappropriate and make them natural. Am I right or wrong? And I'm not, I'm not talking politically. I'm talking spiritually now. Okay? I'm not worried about the political realm. I'm not worried about the natural realm. I'm talking about the spiritual realm. I want to sit in a process today with you, a knowledge of who you are. 
And I'm not even talking about your natural name. Okay? I want to show you something. This struck me and really rocked my world. In Genesis 3 verse 20, it says this. Now this was, of course, after God had spoken to Adam, spoken to Eve, and cursed the serpent. This is what this is what said. Now this was once they were cast out of the garden. Now the man named his wife Eve. Whoa. So while Eve was in the garden, she was called woman. Can you imagine with me for a minute? The reason why the serpent spoke to her is because she didn't know who she was. And she wasn't named. Think about that for a second. The serpent spoke to her because she was not named. You see, if she had a name, she would have had an identity. But until then, she was just from man's side. Well, man, from man. But the bottom line is that was the gateway that the enemy came in and perpetrated his violence against her by deceiving her. So why am I sharing this with you today? Who are you? Because the bottom line is, if you don't know who you are, the enemy has the capacity to perpetrate violence against you. If you don't know that you're a new creation in Christ, if you don't know that God has given you a name, you will be, you will be available to whatever is thrown at you. Him, her, them, they, whatever it is they want to say nowadays. You know what I mean? Okay. Are you guys okay? But you see, God was clever because what he did when Jesus, long before Jesus was born, in a concept, Matthew 1.23, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being translated as God with us. So even before Jesus was conceived in the womb, when he was conceived in concept, God named him. Why? To prevent the opportunity for the enemy to perpetrate violence against him. To take his identity and destroy him. That way, he was protected. Isaiah 7 verse 14. And the Lord himself will give you a son. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel. So, he was preserved in the process that he was named. See, God named Adam, Adam. But never named Eve. Wow. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of blown away by that. A lot of my challenges in my life came because I didn't know who I was. But today, I know. And I walk in what I know, and I walk in who I am, because the bottom line is, I'm not going to allow the enemy to perpetrate violence against me. I don't care what people think. You know? So... So let me share with you a little secret. Can I share a secret with you? Yeah. Just between us and the people on live stream. <laughs> so it's a secret. Revelation 2.17. The one who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who overcomes, who's the overcomers? I will give some of you hidden manna. Revelation. Okay. And I will give him a white stone and a new name written on the stone, which no one knows except the one who receives it. 
In other words, God has given every single one of you, after your transition out of darkness into light, a new name. So what does that mean? Why aren't you trying to seek and find your new name? Because your new name is your new identity. All things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. Do you want to stop some of the pillaging going on in your life? Do you want to stop some of the warfare that's taking place against you? Do you want to stop some of the assault that you're under? He said he'll give you a new name that only you and him would know. I can't give it to you because I don't know he won't reveal it to me, but he'll reveal it to you. Hello? Is this making sense? So I got one day, I got, I got mystical and I got all spiritual with God and I said, God, I would like to know my new name. <laughs> because, you know, I'm inquisitive. I don't, want, I don't want to be left out. I want everything that he has for me. And more. And if you don't want your portion, I'll take that too. <laughs> Boats, cars, no, I'm joking. So I, I got spiritual and I said, God, I would like to know my new name. And I know when I got saved, God said to me one day that from being a life taker, he's made me a life giver. But that's, that's, that's not a name. That's just a, an identity kind of thing, a purpose kind of thing. And one day I got a phone call from a rabbi from Israel. And he said, Ron, I had a dream about you. And I know your name, Ronald Arthur Campbell, is Ronald is mighty authority. Arthur is kingly anointing. Campbell is one who speaks to leaders. I know you do that already. He said, but the gematria, the number of your name, comes to a perfect number seven. And I went, oh, oof. Because you know what the number of Christ's name is, hey? Number seven. Why? Because number six is the number of the flesh. Am I right? So I got a little bit of a chill. Oh. And they said, but God gave me your new name through the Torah. I thought, oh, hey. <laughs> wow, okay. He said, your new name is Elisha ben Yeshua. You know what that means? Elisha, the son of Jesus. You know what you are? You're a son of the Most High King. You're a son of the Lord. Now, that may mean nothing to you. That may mean zilch to you, nothing, zero. But to me, it means everything. Because what it means is that I am called in the spirit of Elisha. So I know that I carry a double portion. So I know that what I walk in is more than just being a Christian. I know what I walk in is a fivefold grace and a gifting. And I know that through that process, I read Elisha's life and I look at the authority that he had. I look at how he changed things. Don't forget, Elisha and Elisha walked together to the Jordan. Could do nothing in Bethel. Could do nothing in Jericho. But when they crossed over, what did he say? I want a double portion. He said, if you're with me, you will get my mantle. When he got his mantle and he came back the same way, striking the water on dry land, walked across was confronted firstly by Bethel, right? And then by Jericho, where he first purified the water and then called down the bears on those who taunted him. Man, I'm going to call down bears. And that's not the Chicago bears, by the way. <laughs> because you know what? I'm tired of the Christians being taunted. I'm tired of the Christians being tormented. 
I'm tired of them being tormented. And that's why I'm talking to you today about who are you. Is it important for you to find out who you are? Answer me truly. Is it important? Do you want to stop the battle that's against you? Do you want to stop being violated by the enemy? Get your name. Ask him. Ask him to give it in a dream. Ask him to confirm it through a word. Whatever you need to do. But get to know who you are in Christ. Okay, that's, uh, is that okay? Um, something struck me this morning while I was sitting here. didn't worship. Ezekiel 36, verse 25 says this. And it goes on to 28. When you get a new name, when you come into kingdom, when you come to the kingdom, there's a, an exchange. Christ takes your corrupted, dirty, filthy rags life and he gives you his life I don't know if you understand that he gives you an exchange he takes your mistakes and your failures in your life and he gives you his I don't know if you understand that Ezekiel 36 25 I will clean you in water and you will be clean what happened here today some people were cleansed. Some people were baptized into something new. Right? I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from your idols. How many of you have been through the water baptism? One, two. So basically what happened is you were washed clean. Okay? So you went to the dry cleaners of heaven. You had a dry cleaning done. Cool. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit will I put in you. Oh, I mean, check it out. You're giving him your trash garbage life. He's cleansing you. He's giving you a new heart and a new spirit. That's a great deal. Have you ever traded in a car? You take your trashy car and they rob you in the price and then you buy their car and they rob you that side as well. And they rob you in the finance and you get robbed at every occasion. And then you insure your car and you get robbed there too. It's like murder. And everybody just accepts it. It's normal. How about we stop buying cars and tell them, nah, keep your cars. But yet we have the opportunity. I will remove from you a heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. The Holy Spirit will move you to follow His decrees. When you prophesy to people, well, I didn't really receive the word of the Lord. I didn't really know what God said. I don't really understand. You don't have to understand. Just believe. See, here's the beautiful thing. Seek ye first the kingdom, and all these things shall be added to you. And His righteousness. When Abraham heard the Lord, and he followed Him and believed, it was accounted to him as... All you have to do to be righteous is believe. I mean, it's, it's, it's like Legos. It's simple. Why has the church and religion made it so difficult for people to conceive and understand how you transfer out of death into life? How you get out of sin into righteousness? How you become the righteousness of Christ in the earth? 
just by a simple principle, believing that firstly he died on the cross, he gave his Holy Spirit to me, he baptized me, he washed me, he cleansed me, he gave me a new spirit, he gave me a new heart. I'm no, no, no longer full of malice and, and all this sort of stuff. Gosh, I don't know about you, but I think it's a great deal. It's better than buying a car. I put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land and I give you your ancestors and you will be my people and I'll be your God. Ah, the exchange is such a beautiful gift. And you get a memento with it, with a stone with your name written on it. Now, of course, I don't really know where the stone is. It's probably up in heaven somewhere. But that means you have representation of it. What is the stone all about? Well, wasn't Jesus Christ known as the rock? How many guys in the, in the Bible have you read that had a name change? Let's, let's, let's try one or two of them, just for fun. There's actually multiples. There's, there's Simon Barjona. And what did Simon Barjona have? He had manna from heaven. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father is in heaven. And on this I say that you shall be Peter, the rock. I'll build my church upon you. So the transformation that took place from Simon, son of Jonah, to Peter came with an identity as well as with a purpose invested in the name. Because when Jesus called Emmanuel, God with us, there was a purpose invested in the name. With Simon, by Jonah, he was just a fisherman. With Peter the rock, he became the apostle to the Jews. Oh, wow. Massive undertaking in that exchange process, right? And then, of course, you know, Saul, the killer, knocked down. Saul means little man, knocked down off his horse, mule, donkey, ass, whatever it is called. <laughs> knocked on his ass. Lights went out, couldn't see. Nays prayed for him. And so what happens at the end of the day? His name was changed to Paul, right? And then God said, I'm going to show him the things he needed to suffer for my name's sake. Boy, did he suffer. He got beaten. He got thrown in prison. He got shipwrecked. But he was an apostle to the Jews. Can you see the process of this exchange life where God takes away your filthy life, gives you this wonderful life, an entrance into the kingdom with a name that is a stone on a stone that is in heaven. So that means you have representation in heaven and you have representation on earth. You have the Holy Spirit lead you. I mean, that's a good deal. It is, it, is that, it is that whole banana sunrise thing that you get ice cream, you get chocolate, and you get bananas and cream. You get the whole package. And it doesn't add fat to you. There's no calories. <laughs> I mean... God goes and talks to Abram, makes a covenant with Abram, changes his name to Abraham, because God's name in those days was Ha, H. So he became Abraham, went to Sarai, that's what her name was, and gave her a promise to have a child at, what, 90-something odd years old, and she laughed, right? And put his name in her name, called Sarah. Because God brought the exchange to them and made a covenant with them. Today, we still reside in that covenant. Plus, we have the promise of the covenant with Christ. I mean, can you see the benefits of the kingdom are so magnanimous? It's beyond comprehension. But you see, the enemy wants to keep us in that place 
of littleness where we don't realize what, we've, what inheritance we've received. So we're just happy to just trip along the side of the river and just put your toe in the water. Oh, I went to church today. Oh, hallelujah. I felt Jesus for a minute. They have to come back next week and do the same thing. Because we don't understand who we are. We need to walk in this dynamic. And listen, this is not about politics whatsoever. This is about a heavenly economy. This is about something that you have access to that you need to understand is much more powerful than any nuclear weapon. I mean, Jesus called Lazarus out the tomb. I think that's dunamis power. I think the things that he did, you know, casting nets on the other side. What's the difference between six foot? Obedience. <laughs> that's all. And of course, you have to fix your nets to make sure that you can keep the catch. Because the first time they broke the nest. All I'm saying to you is, folks, do you understand? This is not just church. You congregate here because we, we call this an assembly. But in actual fact, we are here to be inspired by the Holy Spirit, to know who we are, so that you can go out and do greater things shall you do, because I go to my Father. Where are those greater things? People are dying, and people are in poverty and living in under and doors and doorways and that and we we're all here trying to well i just want jesus to bless me good lord go out and sow and you'll receive take what you have and give it silver and gold have a none but such as have give i unto you rise and walk that's what we have i'm not trying to chastise you i'm excited i'm i'm empowering you with with excitement about what you have get to know who you are so one day when a, when a demon approaches you and says, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but whoa. Oh, Ron. Okay. I had two friends that were rugby players. They were big dudes. And they both liked this, this little five-foot little girl. Very pretty little girl. And they called me and said, we're going to take her through deliverance. And they lived on the 25th floor of an apartment complex in South Africa. And I said, you guys, you know Jesus for two weeks. Don't do it. Don't do it. No, we, we can handle it. We're big. Yeah. Those two guys got their butts kicked that night by their little girl. That demon came out of her and broke their apartment to pieces, smashed their furniture, and locked them out in the balcony 25 floors up. And they had one of these telephones that you used to be able to walk around with. Hey, Ron, come help us. I said, call the cops. I told you. Stupidies as stupid does. Little five-foot little chicky beat these two rugby players up there that played against massive people because they didn't understand. They thought, well, I'm brute, I'm strong. doesn't matter. doesn't matter. When the Spirit of God is working through you, then you can talk. But when you don't know Him, man, that little thing says, who are you? And then you know somebody's going to get a spanking. Those guys stood on that balcony in the cold for hours before the cops came. By the time they got there, the partner was trashed. I thought, serves you right. Go and buy some new furniture now. <laughs> Pay for an education. This is what I mean. Use wisdom, man. You know, you don't need to scream at the devil. What I do? The Lord rebuke you. What did the angel of the Lord do when he fought over Moses' bones? He didn't say, but Satan, I bind you. See, the problem is most of Christians in church today focus more on Satan than they do on Christ. Devil! No. The Lord rebuke you. That's it.
If it's good enough for an angel, and we're just a little bit lower than angels for now, that's good enough for me. Look, I'm a soldier. I know what it is to fight. I don't want to start a battle that I can't win. And when you step out of your measure of authority and you step into the flesh and you try and do something in the flesh, ah, you're going to have a retaliation. Because you have to start using wisdom, people. These don't come out but by prayer and fasting. Sometimes you have to pray and fast about things. You, know, you can't just step into something and take authority of it when you don't have authority. You can't go to nations and tear down strongholds when you don't have authority. When you haven't established the government of God in the minds of the people. Because the stronghold lives in the people. The strongholds live in the people. When you drive down I-20, I don't know if you've done that, but if you stop in every state, you go to Cracker Barrel. Cracker Barrel is a great reference to the kingdom. Because you can see the, the people from that region. Now, I'm not being cruel. Now, I'm not being rude. The people from that region work there. And you look at them and think, wow. I wonder what strongholds you have because everybody has some kind of quirk. I mean, there was a lady once that served us. And she, she I don't know which eye to look at. She was like, <laughs> and everybody that worked there was squint. And I thought to myself, that's weird. Most people had eye issues. Is that funny? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not meaning to be rude, but you see it. And then I thought, I said, God, what is going on? And the Lord said, this is the stronghold over this region. And what happens is, through ancestral and through religion and through traditions of men, men have established a pattern of thought. And the pattern of thought has created a stronghold. And the stronghold works in that community because everybody's affected by blindness in that community. And we stopped the next crack by the next state of, and it was something else. It was like an education. And I thought, we just need to get through the state. We don't want to be blind. <laughs> I, no, I'm not being rude. I'm not, I'm, please don't, 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 don't hear me as being rude. Understand that for you to overthrow a stronghold, which is actually a government of the minds of the people, you have to establish God's government first. In the hearts and minds of the people. Like if you go to the scripture and you read when they put the Ark of the Covenant in the temple of Dagon, who was a fish god for the Philistines, the fish god fell over and broke his head. Why? Because the establishment of God's government was in that place. The same thing. The only way you can take a region is if you go and work with the people and transform them, change their mind and ruin their mind and bring them into this concept of an exchange life so you can change who they are and then they can see out of their blindness, having eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit is saying and doing. And then, corporately, together, collectively, you can start dealing with things. But you don't need to overthrow the government that's there. You just establish the government of Christ in people's hearts. See, warfare has taken a place in the church where it's turned it into uh, almost like a terrorist attack on the devil. And you know how many people get damaged or hurt and destroyed by it? There was a thing that went out a couple of years ago, and I'm probably talking out of turn, but I shouldn't say this, but where these people went over to Ephesus to tear down the goddess Diana. And they wanted me to go with them. I said, oh, I'm not stupid. What do you mean? You don't have authority there. Well, we're going over there. We're going to go into those temples. We're going to tear it down. All right. That demon's going to retaliate and kill the people. You're going to be responsible. Oh, that doesn't have, we'll bind him. Mm -hmm. Well, they went and they did and they left. There's an earthquake and 20,000 people died. Come on, folks. You want manna? Get your name. You want to have a revelation? 
Be who you are. Be who God's called you to be. Start functioning in your core. Start functioning in your core. It's not just good enough for you to sit here every Sunday and to drink from the well. You need to start taking water from your innermost being and start pouring it out there. Like when Jesus came to the woman at the well, she put down her pot and walked away from what she used to do, which was carrying water and feeding people with water every day. The city and probably all the visitors that came to Jacob's well. She walked away, obviously from something her mother, her grandmother, great-grandmother had done to carry water. She walked away. She went to the city and she said, you need to come see this man. I believe he's a prophet. And what happened? 3,000 people were touched and transformed in that city that day because she walked away from the old things. You want to be an inspiration? Walk away from some of the stuff that you're involved with. Why are you guys so quiet? Am I hitting home? You want something to change? You want your family to change? You want your life to change? Like every week we come by and we get some balm of Gilead. It's not good enough. You have to determine in your heart what you want from Christ. And you have to get and do business with God. The Lord says that I'm inviting you to come deeper into the river. In Ezekiel, I speak about the river having levels. One to the ankle. One to the knee. One to the hip. And then one to the head that you cannot swim through. It is my desire, says the Lord, to pour out my spirit upon this city and this region and this place. That you cannot even swim in it. Because it's my spirit that wants to move upon this nation and transform the hearts and the minds of men and women. I want to be able to see you in my river, says the Lord. I want to baptize you in fire and power, but I have to cleanse you first from the cultural concepts that have trapped you and encapsulated you and robbed your identity. I want to fill you with my spirit, says the Holy Spirit. I want to, I want to change the way you see, the way you think, the way you understand. Yes, you may live in this culture, but you're not of this culture. You're of another culture. You're a sojourner. You're passing through. You're not part of this culture. You were sent here to do a work here. You weren't sent here to just inhabit. You were sent here to do a work. So today I want to tell you, break the power of concepts of what you are in this nation and start releasing you what you are in the kingdom. I release the anointing of the Holy Spirit on you this day and say to you that there's something new coming to the city. There's something new coming to this church. There's an outpouring of my spirit like you've never seen before. The, the hungry and the thirsty and the dry will come and they will feed here. They will drink from this well, says the Lord, because my spirit flows freely here. And God says, I'm going to deal with the unrighteous and the, and the republicans and the sinners. I'm going to break the power of the control over my message, says the Lord, where they've changed and encapsulated the word. And they've stopped the power and they've stopped the Holy Spirit from operating. I, myself, am going to come do it, says the Holy Spirit. I've already prophesied this before in this region, and I'm going to continue doing it because God is going to break the back of this religious spirit that rules over this nation. So I want to just declare to you today, it's time for a change. It's time for a transformation to take place. You've been invited. You can sit down on your beach chair and you can look at what's going on and you can sit down in the sun and enjoy it. But I'm going to tell you, there's coming a day and a time when God will say, what did you do with your brother? Well, I'm not accountable. He's going to come. Well, no, no, you're accountable for him because I gave him into your charge. See, when Cain killed Abel, 
he said to God, I don't know, I'm not accountable for him. But the truth of the matter is, we are accountable for everybody in this nation. Because we've been put here as ambassadors of Christ. We've been put here to speak and to declare and to bring the favorable year of the Lord. But you see, what's happened? We've got so much prejudice in the church. We don't want this kind of people there. We don't want those kind of people there. We don't want these people around us because, you know, they're offensive. You know, we rather ostracize them and curse them because it's easier to do that than to face the fact that they are broken just like we were or it's easier to accept and be like the, the guys on the Samaritan Road. But where are the Samaritans today? Where are those that have been given gifts from God and resources and abilities from God to do something? They put it in their banks and sit on it and make interest on it. And one day the canker worm and the locusts and the moths are going to come eat away at that. And there's going to be no investment made in heaven on your behalf. It's easy to have money and resources. It's easy to make money. But how you manage it. Money, money, money is a character tester. It tests the character. I know that money is the root of all evil. But the bottom line is, too, there's a lot of greed in our culture. You know, everything nowadays is more expensive. There's no real need for it to be more expensive. We are the only things, human beings, are the only things that pay to live on earth. <laughs> when did that happen? And this concept of capitalism, I know a lot of you are for it. It's okay. It's fine. It's not a problem to me. But I love the, the Jewish system, Mishpocha. You know, when I was in South Africa, I had the rabbi who just loved me, and I don't even know why he loved me. But anyway, he, he probably thought this poor Jewish boy, he just needs, he needs, he needs, he needs a touch from God or something. But he came around me, and you know what he did? He got all the businessmen in the synagogue to get with me and sit down and talk to me how to run my business, and they gave me money, seed money, to start my business. And you know the funny thing is? The only requirement was in five years, you have to show a profit. In two years, I showed a profit. And when I did, you know what they said? You don't have to pay us back. <laughs> Can you imagine your bank saying that? Oh, 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 it did happen. The government gave you money. And they forgave you for it. And then it was, well, I don't want the government's welfare. You arrogant, arrogant, arrogant person. You pay taxes. It's your money. Can you see what I'm saying? We are so messed up. If the government going to give me money, I'll take it. <laughs> that doesn't bother me. I'll take it. I'll, I'll put it to good use. I don't want their money. I'll take it. If they're going to give me something, I'll take it. Why? Yeah, I see it as a blessing from God. Because they take a lot of money whenever they want to. So sometimes when the tables are reversed, thank you. I'll take it. No, I don't want anybody's I don't want welfare. We are so messed up. And the media and this politics has messed us up. Yet the church is taking billions of dollars. And what did they do? That much. I live in a city in Dallas. There's 20 mega churches. I'm talking about 50 to 20,000 member congregations. And the impact they have on society? Nothing. 
The Cowboys have more impact on society than the church does. At least the Cowboys get people to pray. <laughs> and even our, prayer, even our prayers haven't been answered. Father, help us. Tony Romo, play. Oh, Lord, another. Oh, another interception. Oh. <laughs> get more chips. Get more beer. I'm, I know this. What I'm saying to you is offensive. I know it's offensive. And I meant it to be offensive because the bottom line is, we need a change in mentality. We need a change of heart. If there's something, a couple of hundred billion dollars get raised every year in the church. And what social impact is that making? Bigger buildings, nice cars, nice benefits. But what has happened to evangelism? Nothing. You know, I'm, I'm amazed at some of the evangelistic work that's been done here. It's all organic. It's, it's almost in a way, almost not organized. It's organic. I mean, point to me who, who's a specific evangelist here. No, you can't. Because you know what? Everybody's an evangelist here. Here's one here. Here's one here. Here's one here. Here's one here. There's one there. You're all evangelists. You all, you all know people. It's not somebody that, well, bless God, hallelujah. My business card says I'm an evangelist. I'm here to tell you about Jesus. You don't. I know. I'll sound like Falls Gump. Ah, you don't need a business card. You've got a white stone. Are you guys? I know, I'm, I know because of my accident. I'm from overseas and I'm a foreigner that I sound offensive. But I don't mean to be. God called me and sent me. I gave up my life to come here. When I stood in New York in 1976 as a 19-year-old boy, looked across the Hudson River. You have to understand, I'd never cried in my life. Never. I determined in my life, you can beat me, you can punch me, you can kick me, you can kill me. I'm not going to cry. But I stood on the Statue of Liberty and I looked across the Hudson. And I could not stop weeping. And I was as lost as a goose. Didn't know Jesus from a box of green apples. Didn't even know there was a God. But yes, I was overwhelmed. And I heard this voice say to me, You'll come back one day. And I thought, hmm, ah, I'm going to go and get another drink. I'm hearing things. <laughs> got to wash the thought away. And everything after that point, every time I got around anybody that was virtuous in any kind of way in Christ, they would say things to me that would actually make me angry. I thought, how can you, how dare you say, Mom, even my aunt said to me, you know, you're going you're gonna to be a very profound minister for Jesus one day. I don't even say that to me. I don't want to hear that stuff. Who's Jesus? I don't want to hear that. And as much as I resisted, I was on the one day going back to base, and a chaplain got on the plane. And I said to him, if you continue to talk to me, I'm going to kill you. He said, you, know, you can't kill me. I said, do you want to bet? I'm trained. He said, no, and God will never give you the power to kill me because I... I've been called by him. And so he was reading his Bible. He wasn't even talking to me, but the Bible was talking to me. So when that plane landed, I popped that back door. I, was, I still till today, I've never collected my luggage. I ran across that runway and I found the first bar and I washed that thought away. But I didn't realize the thought wasn't just natural, it was spiritual. You cannot wash the word of God away. You cannot wash God's desire away. The only way you can wash 
is in there. When you wash the world off you and you can apprehend the thing that God has for you in his kingdom. I'm talking to you seriously today. This is a come to Jesus meeting today. And I'm, I'm not interested if you, if, well, you know, he's just, he just, listen, we are going into serious times in this world. And if you do not have Christ in the kingdom, I don't know what you can do. The Bible speaks about even the people asking the rocks to fall on them. So all I'm saying to you is, listen, do business. Get serious. Just don't be uh, one of the ankle draggers over here that the water and the rivers by your ankles. Because what happens in the shallow parts of water is normally moss and frogs. You want to get a little bit deeper where the sharks are. So what I'm saying to you is, please listen to me. This is, I'm begging you to, to start making some adjustments. You know when they call for people to sow money? I've watched people. That's the things. I'm, I'm paying my dues, God. <laughs> you don't have. Because he's given you what you have. If he, if he didn't give it to you, you wouldn't have. Because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness, everything that is in this earth is his. So you're living on borrowed money, bro. <laughs> but when you ask me for things, I don't have time. I'm sorry, I've got so much going on. I've got this, I've got that, I've got this, I've got... Have you noticed how we've become a distracted culture? You know, my first year in America, you know, I was so stressed, I had to get on anxiety medication. Because you guys live such a pace. Coming from Africa, it's like, what time is church? Uh, when everybody gets there. And then once you're there, you're there till 6, 7 o'clock at night. You rock and roll the whole day and preach a word and then there's another word and the prophecy and there's some more worship and people roll in and out and it's just going. Come to America, it's one hour. You're out. And then you lunch. And you've got to get behind all the other people at lunch. And it's simply children at school and this and that. And, eventually, and, and then you watch the TV and they come to you on about the news and, and they say, there's a tornado. Oh, my God. What, what is a tornado? <laughs> no wonder why you guys are so stressed. <laughs> I'm being serious with you. The first year I got here, there was the, the burning of the, what's that, the Waco thing, that Waco. F- every two seconds. Bam, breaking news. Man, I started, should I go and get a gun? Because <laughs> that's the stress you live under. And then when the Bible says, I will make you lay down in green pastures. <laughs> Not me, God. Mm-mm. And that's why people are so sick. Because they don't have rest. I remember when the tornado came, I was, we were living close to the Texas Rangers Stadium. And I heard the sound. There's a train around here. I didn't know there were train tracks to where. So I opened the door and get out on the balcony and there's the lady. There's a tornado. What's a tornado? <laughs> and now look up and there's a screen spiral coming down there. In Jesus' name, I rebuke you. <laughs> it went up and stopped. So what do you do? I said, I don't know what that was, but I spoke to it. <laughs> and she was shocked. Now I'm this, I'm this serious. That thing moved somewhere else, but it didn't drop down there where I was because I didn't know what that, what that stupid thing was. I didn't realize the destructive power that thing carried. 
But I just said, you know what? I'm not, that thing's not going to drop on me because I have nothing already as it is, and I don't want the rest of it to be stripped from me. <laughs> and so out of my stupidity, I rebuked the thing and I left. It probably dropped somewhere else. I don't really know how that stuff works. But the bottom line is, can you see what I'm saying? Is we have authority in the earth because of him and because of who we are in Christ. I mean, when you're in a situation economically, when you're in a situation relationally, how about instead of going to see a psychiatrist or a therapist, how about getting on your knees and start praying? How about having communion? Breaking open some grape juice and some bread and just ask Jesus to come meet with you. He left it here for you so that you can do that and remember him at the victory that he had at Calvary and what he gave you. I'm like, but we just pray for me. I'm having a bad... Well, how about praying for yourself? Have you prayed for yourself? <laughs> no, I don't know how to pray. Well, well, oh, honey, you're in a press right now. It's time for you to learn to pray. What do I need to pray? Jesus, Cathrope, help. I think he understands that. I, I can't understand the limitations that we are facing in the church. And it's facing it because people aren't being taught the truth. People go to church and they hear a flimsy 20-minute motivational speech, similar to what I'm giving you right now. <laughs> That's not going to sustain you. What I, the revelation I shared now with you, by the time you hit that front door, oh, that was a great message, man. What did he say? I don't know, but it was great. <laughs> I liked his accent. And he dressed quite well, too. It was good. Yeah. I wish he had those dreadlocks like he used to have. Now, I'm saying to you, the thing is this, I'm not, I'm not playing with you, I'm being dead serious. When I bumped into that concept, that the reason why I feel the enemy had access to Eve was because she wasn't named. Now, go and do business with God, find your name, because in your name is your identity, and in your identity is your purpose. And if you come and say, well, I don't know what I'm called for. I'm going to send you to go and pray and ask of God to give you your name. Because the bottom line is, that's truth to me. Don't just take any name. Really ask God to show you. And then you know when you have that, you can go into his courts of praise with thanksgiving your heart and say, Lord, it's me, Josiah. Or whatever he calls you. Is there a Josiah here today? Might be one out there on the live stream. But I'm just saying, once you have your name, you know, what do your parents call you? Do they call you, hey, Baba, come here? No, they don't. They call you by your name. You know? Unless you, um, you know, was there the movie where the guys all have the same name? Like in my family, there are four Ronalds. So every time they call Ronald, yes. Well, and there was even a Veronica. They called her Ronnie. So when they say, Ronnie, everybody would look, what do you want? It's like confusing. <laughs> so get your name. Get your identity. Know this. That what he said in Ezekiel is relevant to you. That he washes you. And what is he does? He gives you a new heart. Takes away the heart of stone. Gives you a fresh heart. New heart. And also he gives you a spirit. His spirit. I think that is one of the greatest exchanges you can ever do, is to just give your rubbish away and take his beauty. 
beautiful ashes. Give your junk to Him. Give your burdens to Him. Give your stress, your worry, your dysfunction, your family dysfunction, your economic dysfunction, your emotional dysfunction. Just say, Jesus, I don't need this anymore. I had a guy say one day, oh, I have, I, have, um, I have this, it's my prostate issue. Okay. So who gave you this prostate issue? I don't know. Well, then why did you take it? Well, the doctor told me I had a problem. So you took it. Now you've got a prostate issue. My prostate issue. Do you want a prostate issue? No. Then go and give it back. <laughs> oh, my migraine. See, where I come from, we call it migraine. That's why I was confused. People say, I've got migraines. What's that? Oh, it's a migraine. Because MIG is a MIG. If F-18 pilots flying, you said, hey, there's a MIG. What's a MIG? It's a MIG. You guys have messed English. That's why God doesn't understand you. What did they say? What did you, what did you say? Sorry. <laughs> I have to pick up and you pick it on me all the time. <laughs> okay. So Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, I pray right now that you show them the exchange that you've done with them and you reveal your new name to them so that they know who they are in your kingdom and your identity can be established in them and your purpose can be established in them today. That not one would walk out of those doors and think that they don't have a divine purpose in your kingdom. I pray this in Jesus' name.